Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the podcast, History Behind the Scenes. Today's episode, the history of the bubonic plague, is going to dive deep into sickness. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm Michael Spencer. And I'm Jacob Davis. We hope to stay lighthearted today, but also stay true to the seriousness of each um, uh, disease and outbreak that we look at, because for people that face them, this was a very um, life-altering... And terrible experience. And terrible, yeah. Um, we're going to take a chronological look at the bubonic plague and its appearances throughout history. In order to do that, we'll start with a look at how we define some important terms. So, first term that we're going to look at today is an outbreak, um, which is basically just like the sudden or violent start of something unwelcome, in this case, a disease. And then we have an ec- epidemic, excuse me, which is a widespread occurrence of an infectious disease in a community at a particular time. While a pandemic is also a disease and it's prevalent over a whole country or the world. So it's just a, a more widespread epidemic. When you think of the bubonic plague, you obviously think of the Black Death. What if I told you that the Black Death was not the first occurrence of the plague? But let's define what bubonic plague is first. Bubonic really refers to the swollen lymph nodes that come from the disease. And thus, bubonic is not the plague itself, but rather it is a type of plague. Plague itself is a bacterial disease that comes from the zoonotic bacteria Yersinia pestis, which can be found in rodents like the rat and also fleas. Thus, it is transmitted from fleas who have been bitten, who have bitten the host, and also from handling infected animals. The plague can be separated into three types, depending on what parts of the body are involved. The first type of plague is today's topic, bubonic plague, which is named after the swollen lymph nodes, or buboes, which develop within the first week of being infected. Buboes can be the size of a chicken egg and are tender and firm. They are usually found around the groin, the armpit, or the neck. Symptoms of bubonic plague can be fevers, headaches, chills, fatigue, and muscle aches. This specific type is the one that killed millions of people in Europe as the Black Death. But you think this one is bad? Guess what? There's more. The second type of plague is septicemic plague, which is when bacteria multiplies in your bloodstream and goes all the way throughout your body. This type is much more deadly compared to the bubonic plague, as it deals with the entire body and can cause sepsis and is almost always fatal when not treated, but it is rarer than bubonic plague. Symptoms include fevers, chills, extreme weakness, abdominal pain, diarrhea, vomiting, bleeding from your mouth, nose, rectum, or under your skin, shock, and gangrene. Another thing to note is that buboes do not develop even though the transmission is the same as the bubonic plague. Septicemic plague can occur by itself, but can also result from complications with the two other types of plague. The third type is even worse specifically because it is the only one out of the three that can spread from person to person. However, this is the most rare out of the three. Pneumonic plague attacks the lungs and can be transmitted through the air via an infected person's cough droplets and weakness. Its progression is rapid and respiratory failure and shock can be seen within two days of becoming infected. Antibiotic treatment is needed within a day or the infection will most likely be fatal. Pneumonic plague can also occur if bacteria from either of the two other types of plagues spreads to the lungs. However, our focus in this episode is on the first type of plague, which is also the most common. So Michael, as I was saying, the Black Death was not the first occurrence of the plague. So why don't you tell us, when was the plague first seen in history? 
Let's go back to 541 AD. The Byzantine Empire, Constantinople, and Emperor Justinian himself is on the throne. So I want you to picture Rome right now. And what Justinian is trying to do is bring Rome back to the glory days. He's trying to expand. And that means there's a lot of wars going on. He's conquering and reconquering lands. And he's thus building supply trains to supply his troops with all the equipment that they need. He's going off and expanding. And as this happens in this vast process of expansion, they're going to pick up more than just loot and glory. They're also going to pick up the first bubonic plague, um, known as the Justinian Plague. This disease was said to have originated in Ethiopia, and it began in ports and towns, but expanded inland from there. So this was basically the Black Death before the Black Death was cool, had all the symptoms that Davis talked about earlier. And this disease, excuse me, was ravaging through cities. And one of our historical sources, Procopius, reported that in Constantinople, 5,000 to 10,000 people died each day at the height of this plague. Um, which meant that people were dying faster than they could be buried. And there was mass burials outside of the cities because they just didn't have time to bury people in the way that they normally would. For this pandemic, we have two main historical sources. I mentioned Procopius of Caesarea, which is modern Israel. He was a Roman government high official, and he lived in Constantinople during the first wave of the plague. Another guy, John of Ephesus, modern Turkey, was a Christian bishop in Syria. Now, these are our best sources who vividly wrote down descriptions of what was going on during this event. Now, thinking about that, we want to look at how did this disease spread and how did it start? Some people pose the question, like, did Justinian start the plague? At this time in history, the emperors had lost the title of divinity, but were then associated as being in power directly under the authority of God. So Procopius believed that maybe Justinian had been working under the authority of another higher power, claiming that this disease was something supernatural and beyond human control. Um, do we think that that's what was happening, that Justinian was, um, you know, working under higher power to start the plague? No, no. But did he contribute to the first pandemic? Um, did he have a role to play? And I would argue, yes, he did. Um, his expansion opened the door for an epidemic, which is more small-scale communities, like I talked about earlier, to become a globalized pandemic. In order for the disease to happen at all, wild rodents had to come into contact with urban rodents so that those urban rodents could then um, get the disease and infect people. Now, I didn't realize there was like a hierarchy of rodents, but it's important to note that the wild, sick rodents did have to, in fact, come into contact with their more uh, respectable counterparts. Justinian forced reclaimed land such as North Africa to send tributes, and the grain was being shipped to Constantinople from across the Mediterranean, but because of bad weather, they could only be shipped four months out of the year, and therefore the grain that was coming to Constantinople had to be stored in horias, which were warehouses. And these buildings were, were perfect homes for rats and fleas. Now they're just, they're just partying up every single night in these, in these warehouses. And that's not good. That's going to that's gonna be a problem that's going to significantly contribute to the disease. Another important factor was climate change, and this was mentioned by John of Ephesus. A dramatic shift in the climate was noted from 535 to 540 AD, a factor completely out of control of Justinian. Some believe the cold weather played a bigger role than Justinian himself, because with that weather, rodents, the wild rodents, were now 
also going into those warehouses where the other urban rodents were staying because of the cold weather. So, you know, rodents and fleas partying it up, and then they're like, hey, wild buddies, come join us. And then, boom, there you go, plague. Um, so this, this plague was vast and crazy, and I think the expansion was very much to do be, with um, Justinian and his expansion with trade ships and all of that happening. And uh, it greatly impacted Constantinople, and a few other cities were severely impacted as well. So while Justinian expansion and trade certainly took the plague a distance, there were some outside factors that others argue significantly contributed to the growth of the plague as well. People also argue that this plague dominated the world and sent Europe into the Dark Ages, while others would say that it was a largely localized event. Um, it was more limited effect on other smaller communities. So for the most part, Constantinople was hit hard, and the Mediterranean was hit hard. But aside from that, the rest of the world was not largely affected by the Justinian plague. And Rome continued even after the disease. Some say that this was the fall of Rome, that the disease led to that. But studies show that agriculture in the Mediterranean continued shortly after the disease based on fossilized pollen samples. And that shows that the economy was still growing and even thriving even after the plague went through. So while it did have a serious effect and killed a lot of people, it was a more localized event that most likely was not the main factor contributing to the fall of Rome. So moving forward in history, we come to the second plague pandemic, which is from the 14th century to the 18th century. So the plague repeatedly hit through those centuries, but later outbreaks were not as severe as the main topic of the second plague pandemic, Black Death. So the Black Death lasted from 1346 to 1353. While it's not known for certain how many people died exactly during the Black Death, it is estimated that between 25 million to 200 million people died. Similar to the Plague of Justinian, people were dying too quickly and mass burials were needed. At the time, the plague was not known as the Black Death, but had other nicknames such as the Pestilence or the Great Mortality. Rumor says that the plague originated in China and made its way through Asia before entering Europe. A good starting point for the plague crossing over from Asia to Europe would be at the Genoese colony of Kaffa, which is located in the Crimea on the coast of the Black Sea. This city was an important trade hub in the Black Sea and virtually had a monopoly on trade in the area. In 1347, the city came under siege by the Mongols. The Mongols, led by their Khan, were suffering from the plague, and in one of history's first uses of biological warfare, they decided to catapult plague-infested corpses over the walls of the city. Since this was a port city, one escape route was by boat, and fleeing inhabitants and traders carried the plague with them as they escaped. Granted, the Mongols had captured other port towns on the Black Sea, so this may not have been the only source of the plague leading to Europe, but it is definitely a notable one. Our next scene takes place in Europe, at a potential trading destination to those coming from the Black Sea. On the island of Sicily, 12 trading ships docked at the port of Messina, but the boats were silent so much so that I'm sure each wave that rocked against the boat splashed with nerve-wracking sound. Upon their arrival, those gathered on the docks were waiting for the ramps to drop. Horrified, they realized the sailors were not moving. They were dead. And if not dead, they were covered in oozing black pores, barely alive and hardly able to move. The ships would be sent out of the port, but it would be too late as the plague started taking over Europe. Wow. That's crazy. 
This is like straight out of a horror movie. Yeah, yeah that's, um, that's pretty messed up. Um, did you know, some people think that the song Ring Around the Rosie captures the experience of having the plague. Um, if you know the song, it kind of goes a little something like Ring Around the Rosie, right? Pocket full of posy. Posy. What is that's, wh- that's probably like the bubos. Okay, pocket. Yeah, okay. That's, I don't want to think about that. And um, ashes, ashes, death. Like all the people dying. We all fall down. That's definitely all the people dying. Yeah, so if, if you're a parent of kids and they just don't, we don't recommend that Singing song. about black death. Yeah. Um, and if that scars your childhood, then we formally apologize and probably should have warned about that happening. There were no actual treatments for the bubonic plague at the time, since they did not have modern medicine, such as antibiotics. Some treatments included bloodletting, putting feces on the bubos, and other various potions and pastes. One interesting treatment was the vicari method, named after the doctor who came up with it. Basically, he would take a chicken and pluck its feathers from its rear end, and then place its rear end on the patient's bubos. Uh, that's that's kind of <laughs> wild. That's weird. Yeah. I, I, the thought process behind this was that the people in that time thought that the chicken breathed out of its bottom. And so it would, like, breathe out of the patient or something like that. I, uh, mm, yeah, I'm glad that, that modern science has improved since then. I, I, I want to know what inspired that thought that was like, oh, yeah, chickens definitely breathe out of their bottom. Yeah. What was that? Go, yeah, what was going on there? Yeah, I don't know. And maybe this 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 doctor, is there any chance he's just like a, a real prankster? And I mean, like, he might be, uh, a more appropriate ter- term might be like quack. Yeah, quack. Yeah. Even though chickens don't say quack, that's They ducks. don't. That was a, almost a good dad joke, but let's, let's move on. Yeah, so anyway, on the subject of chickens, animals were also affected by a plague, and they would die. Livestock, um, and so that, that caused a big problem because you wouldn't have... Uh, your livestock, uh, it would create shortages. Yeah, it's not good either. So another interesting thing that came from this time period was the practice of quarantining. Um, Mm. At Venice, uh, ships were required to sit anchor offshore for 40 days before docking at the port. So you got uh, a bit of not like a person's quarantining, even though that was there too, but the main thing that it came from was ships sitting offshore. So that's very interesting. A positive from the Black Death, even though there isn't really anything positive about it, is that it ended feudalism. The plague had a massive effect on the economy and basically killed tons of peasants that worked on lands established under the system of feudalism. This caused a shortage of workers, and the demand for workers caused wages to rise, giving more power to the workers over their employers. Um, So that kind of sounds like a... Communism, but we're just going to ignore that. <laughs> yeah, no. We're I mean, not, you got rid of feudalism. We're not worried about communism we're not, right now. We're not at communism yet. No, we're chilling. Yeah. So, yeah. As the plague spread through Europe, it hit France, and English soldiers who were attacking brought it back with them, and the plague hit England. It also made its way up to Norway and also westward into Spain. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. And Black it, Death. Crazy. Yeah. Taking us to a third plague pandemic. Um, yeah. I don't know. What would you call the, so the, the plague of Justinian? In, this is the, the, this is the first plague pandemic, right? Right. So we would call that in regards to the, the, the trio. trilogy. The trilogy. It's like a trilogy. Um, which it's one like is the that? Star Wars trilogy. The Star Wars trilogy. So, so you got like the Phantom Menace right? being the plague of Justinian. And the Black Death would then be the attack of the clones. 
correct? So, yeah, and so we have the revenge of the plague here. Yeah, the revenge of the plague, pardon the copyright issues, don't worry about that, this is our own thing. Um, and this began in Yunnan, Yunnan, China. Excuse my pronunciation, I don't know how to say this place. I should have looked it up. Um, in 1855, excuse me, 1855, during the fifth year of the emperor of the Qing Dynasty, his name was uh, Ziang Feng, I think. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. And uh, 12 million deaths in India and China alone. Um, this was caused by political conflicts and global trade, so lots of expansion going on again. Uh, mining for minerals, mostly copper, that was going on in Yunnan, China, and this contributed to the spread of the disease. Um, in 1850, over 7 million people were in the population of Western Yunnan, China. Um, so with the growth of population, with the mining, with the expansion, it was once again ripe for the pandemic and plague to spread, eventually killing possibly over 15 million people worldwide. Now, while there was a bubonic plague going on, there was also a second pneumonic plague, which, as we talked about, spreads person to person, which is much more deadly, and it coincided with the bubonic strain. So this adds a whole nother level to the, the series of plagues that we're talking about. And this plague was actually active until 1960. Though it began in 1855, it was not until 1894 that it went beyond China and made its way through Europe, eventually making its way to even America and hitting San Francisco in 1900, killing an estimated 114 people. So the question arises, is the plague done? And the answer would be... No. No. <laughs> wow. What? Whoa. Climax. Um, a boy contracts a disease in the States for the first time in 26 years in 2018. So in Idaho, there was a case of the bubonic plague in America. And that was crazy. Now, keep in mind, he was put on antibiotics and he was feeling fine. But the plague... It's still here. It it's still, still exists. It still exists. Um, I mean, you can't get rid of it. And plagues in general still exist, but are much more rare. Between 1900 and 2012, 1,006 confirmed or probable human plague cases occurred in the United States. Now, over that amount of time, that's really not that much at all. So, in general, yeah, plagues have really slowed down, and there's not a whole lot going on. But they still happen. Um, and and that's really that's really what we wanted to talk about today. Is, is the plague, its journey, and how it's still around today. Yep. Um, and thankfully, we have modern medicine to combat it, and we can live. Amen. With that in mind, be sure to let us know if there's any other diseases or really any topics you want us to check out and delve into. Follow us on Instagram at HistoryBTSPodcast for a heads up on when our next episode drops and other fun, exciting content. And be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, History Behind the Scenes, so you can just stay up to date when we release new episodes. So yeah, let us know in the comments what you want to see next. And thank you so much for listening. To our third episode of History Behind the Scenes with Jacob Davis and Michael Spencer.